This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hey, it's Scott Pinyard, head coach of This Naked Mind, and I am back with another edition of Coaching Questions. I have four awesome questions for us this month, and I am going to dive right in. Question number one, I'm really struggling coming out of lockdown. I thought this was going in was tough, but now there seems to be so much more temptation, almost like celebrating that this is all over. How can I keep my 12-day alcohol-free streak going amidst all of this? Uh, first and foremost, 12 days, that's awesome. Uh, so the first thing I want you to do is take your hand, stick it straight out, put it over your shoulder, and give yourself a huge pat on the back. I'm not joking. 12 days is amazing. So congratulations on that. Um, and so, yes, you know, we're actually getting questions like this a lot. And it's funny because, um, you know, when we went into this whole thing, when we went into lockdown, and I know in certain places it's not over and we're, you know, seeing resurgence and all of that, but by and large, what we're seeing is people are getting a little bit more opportunity to go out, a little bit more opportunity to engage. And for people who quit drinking, you know, during the during the lockdown, it's a little bit like, oh, wow, now all this stuff is open again, right? Now there's patios where I can go have lunch, right? Now there's, you know, beer gardens opening, stuff like that. And so the temptation seems kind of, uh, seems pretty intense. Um, so it's funny because, you know, we really thought that going into things was going to be more difficult, right? And that makes sense, right? You think like, you know, you're just kind of living your life as quote unquote normal. And then all of a sudden you can't. And then it's like, oh man, what am I going to do? What's this going to be like? And there was a ton of uncertainty and people really didn't know what was going on. Um, the reality is though, I think adjusting to staying in um, is uh, I think actually a little bit less intense than the reality of adjusting to going out again. Because just like this person who wrote in said, it's almost like there's temptation everywhere. Um, there does seem to be kind of a feeling of celebration. You know, I think a lot of people feel that way of like um, just sort of this pent up energy of I haven't left my house for three months and now I can go out. So a couple of things um, that I can suggest that you take a look at and keep in mind as you're doing this, which will really help you in terms of uh, in terms of, of maintaining your streak. Um, so first of all, and I totally dig the celebration thing. I think that's great. What I'd like you to what I'd like to ask you though is what exactly are you celebrating, right? What is it that's so great? What's the thing that is uh, that that that's making you so happy? So a lot of times with celebration or holidays are another good example of this. Um, we see people say, "Oh man, Christmas is coming up. I don't know if I can go through Christmas without drinking." Um, I don't know if I can go to that family event without drinking. Um, and I was actually coaching someone one time and I had this very same conversation. Um, and so I asked her, I said, you know, she, she reached out to me and she said, Scott, my family's decorating the tree this week, uh, this weekend. Um, it has always been something I've done with red wine as long as I can remember. And I am terrified and nervous. And I don't know if I even want to do it this year. And so, you know, I asked the client, I said, so what is it? that you enjoy about this? Like, do you normally enjoy this? And she, she says, yeah, you know, I really, I love it. Like the family's together and we got Christmas music on and it's nice and warm. And, you know, I, I get to, you know, spend time. There's no devices. It's like this great tradition. And so I said, well, what is it about this weekend that's actually important to you then, right? Is it the wine that's actually important? And, or is it the events? 
she thought about it for a minute and she said, you know what, it really is the events. And then I said, well, is the wine helping the events or not? And she said, well, I guess not, right? Like, I guess it is pulling me out of the moment. She said, there's been plenty of times when I had had too much by the end of the evening and it was just, it was never fun and I felt like I've ruined it. And so I said, well, what if you remove the wine out of that situation and focus on those things you're excited about, right? What if you focus on, you know, your, your son hanging his, uh, you know, baby's first ornament on the tree? Or what if you focus on the memories that come up when we take out these Christmas decorations that we've all had for generations, right? What if you focus on that? What if you focus on the excitement of the holiday and the excitement of spending time together, um, and frame it that alcohol actually takes it away from that, doesn't actually add to that. She thought about that for a moment. And she said, you know what? Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so she did it. She did not drink wine during this time. Um, and she reached out to me the day after, you know, and she said, you know, one of the things that I've always wanted to have is a strong family connection. And um, I really found that last night and it's because I wasn't drinking, right? And so for the person who wrote in on this question, I would suggest that maybe you look at this the same way. Right? What are the things you're celebrating? Is it being around other people? Go enjoy to the socially responsible extent that you can being around other people. Right? Is it being able to live your, leave your house? Then go enjoy leaving your house. See, a lot of times we link alcohol with celebration, but the fact of the matter is the thing we're celebrating gets muddied under the alcohol. We don't actually get to walk into that emotion to really feel that exciting celebratory emotion. Right, so that's thing one that I would recommend. Thing two, I'll give you two. Uh, thing two is really to have a plan in place for yourself. So yes, I recommend if you feel remotely comfortable going out. It has been a long time for a lot of us. Um, I actually just this weekend ate at a very socially distanced outside uh, restaurant and it was amazing. And I don't think I realized until I sat down how much I had missed it. Like I knew I did, but like being able to do that was was huge. So if you find yourself in that position and you're thinking, hey, I really want to go out, um, make a plan, you know, have a plan ready to go, have an idea of, all right, this is what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to stay alcohol free. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to drink. And if I start feeling too strongly, like too tempted or like things are going in a bad direction, I'm going to leave. That's completely okay. If you go into this with a strong commitment of, hey, I'm going to experience this alcohol free, and if it doesn't work out for me this time, that's okay, I'm gonna walk away, that's huge, right? Going in with your mind made up that I'm doing this without drinking will help you tremendously. If you go in with, well, I'm gonna try not to, or maybe I won't, you're gonna end up in a situation where the temptation's gonna build, um, and it's gonna be all too easy to just reach for that drink. So make a clear decision before you go and stick to it no matter what. If that means you're there for 20 minutes, you know what? That's 20 minutes more uh, socializing and connecting time than you've had in three months. That's a win no matter what. Um, so I hope that helps with a fantastic question. And anyone else out there that is feeling this way, um, remember, you're not alone, right? Like so much of this is uncharted territory. Well, frankly, all of this is uncharted territory. Um, so if you are feeling like, man, why is it so difficult for me to get back into a groove or to the extent that we can, um, don't feel guilty about that. You're not alone. Come to this Naked Mind Facebook group. We talk about it over there. Um, there's a lot of people who are feeling the same way. So thank you for writing that question in. Next question. I feel completely stuck. I keep getting four to five days and then I think I've proved it. I don't need to quit. Those days are relatively easy, but then the temptation gets super intense. 
I know I need to quit. How do I get past this brick wall at five days? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for writing that in because I think a lot of people kind of share this. You know, we find whether it's certain times of the week, certain situations, certain experiences, we can go a few days without alcohol. Um, and then it gets really hard. Um, now, there's a couple of things going on here and a couple of things I'd, I'd like you to try. Um, so first, you know, in this four to five day span, when you're in it next time, um, really pay attention to the thoughts and emotions that you're having um, and where they're guiding you. So, you know, we, at This Naked Mind, we talk about how, you know, there's, there's uh, stimulus outside. It comes in to our senses, right? It activates subconscious thoughts. Those subconscious thoughts cause conscious thoughts. Those conscious thoughts cause emotions. And those emotions cause behavior, right? So if you can pay attention to your thoughts and emotions, you can get an idea of what's going on. Um, and you can get an idea of things that are either helping you or not helping you, right? So over a four or five day span, you can imagine, you know, whether it's, you know, over a work week or a work week in a weekend, like there's always going to be sort of this changing smorgasbord of stimulus out there. And if you can pinpoint what those things are that trigger you, then you can work on your thinking around those things. Um, the second thing that I would recommend is that if you are feeling, um, if you are beating yourself up, right? If you're saying, damn, this is awful. I can't get past five days, right? You're going to be setting yourself up to, to have the same experience down the road, right? So the way that you frame these experiences is really important. Now you said the phrase brick wall, and that implies that in your mind somewhere, um, that, you know, this is impenetrable. Like this is something that you can't get through. Um, I would highly suggest that you reframe this, right? Get rid of this brick wall and just say, you know what? I made it to five days. I want to try to make it to six, right? I want to try to make it to seven, right? This is not impossible. If I can go five, then I can go longer, right? So get rid of this idea of like some hard limit or something that you just can't get past. Um, because when you think about it that way, when you feel that way about it, then you're really going to have a hard time when you get there, right? So humans don't do things we don't feel like doing. So if you remember that thing that I said, right? Stimulus, subconscious thought, conscious thought, emotion, behavior, right? Our emotions precede our actions. Um, so if we feel like doing something, we are going to do it. Now, of course, we can change what we do and we can make choices and all of that. But emotion is what precipitates behavior. So if your emotion around quitting drinking is that it's going to be great for five days and then it's going to suck, that's probably what you're going to find, right? Instead, my recommendation is to approach this with curiosity really say like i wonder why this five day thing comes up right do you have a meeting with your boss like do you quit on a monday and then you have meetings with your boss every friday and that just does it to you <clears throat> is there a mood <coughs> excuse me or a thought be curious don't be judgmental but be curious right play with this as man i wonder what's happening here with my thoughts because when you can isolate that and you can work on that then you can take the next step the last thing i will say is that you know massive change really comes through positive emotion, right? So what is really important is that you can associate massive positive emotion with this state of being alcohol free, right? So spend some time and you know, the fact that you've had these four or five days repeatedly means you have this experience, right? What are the things that you love about those four or five days? What are those things about those four or five days that you want to continue for 40 or 50 or 400 or 500 days? right? Really get excited about your alcohol-free life. If you have to take a notebook and sit down and spend 20 minutes just writing out this vision of what an alcohol-free life looks like for you, that's perfect. 
Because what you're doing is you're creating this positive emotion around this change. That's going to make you much more likely to go for it. Right now, this is the complete opposite of what a lot of people do when it comes to trying to quit drinking. What we try to do is we try to beat ourselves up into it. We try to burst through that brick wall, right? I'm saying forget about the brick wall. Instead, spend some time really creating this positive alcohol-free vision, and that can help pull you through. Um, the last thing I'll throw out there is that if you haven't done it, I highly recommend the alcohol experiment. Um, the alcohol experiment, there's a free version and there's a live version with live coaching. Um, it's a 30-day program, so longer than the five days. Um, and it's meant to, uh, as a place where we all take a break from alcohol and then we just investigate its sort of impact on our lives. Um, and so this program has a lot of education. It has a lot of um, you know, uh, education around the physical side of drinking, the mental and emotional effects of drinking. Um, and if you, ex if you engage in that, then you can actually change your thinking about it while you're in the middle of it. Um, so there's some stuff for you. I am really excited for you because this four to five day thing, that means that this is possible, right? That means that you are moving in the right direction. That's awesome. Keep doing it. Um, and keep in mind that stuff I said. Thank you for sending that in. Okay, next question. Regarding alcohol as a habit, I don't really get it why some people don't have the addiction and other people can't seem to control their drinking. I wish that I was one of those people who could control it but it doesn't seem like that's the case. Why is this so confusing? <laughs> that's a great question. And I, and I gotta say, it's one that I get all the time. Now, there isn't necessarily a definitive answer on this, right? So there isn't something that says like, oh, you know, we can't do a genetic test on babies and say baby A is going to have a problem with alcohol, baby B isn't, um, it doesn't work that way. Now, there are some, um, genetic predispositions however those aren't super well understood at this point um so there isn't like a lot of people will ask me like scott is there is there an alcoholism gene um and the answer to that is no right um there are some genetic components to this but by and large even if you have these genetic components if you don't start drinking it's not destiny right your genes aren't destiny so even if we were able to identify this stuff um, understanding that it's our behavior that causes these addictions is really the bigger piece of the picture. Um, now, that answer doesn't normally satisfy people because they want to know. We want to know, like, why did I end up in this situation? Why, you know, and, and my college roommate didn't. Um, you know, what's going on there? And so, zooming out a little bit, out from just the genetic uh, uh, pieces, there are a whole bunch of reasons why people end up drinking to meet their needs, right? And this is essentially what goes, uh, what can help turn, you know, casual drinking into addictive drinking. Now, before I go into this, I just want to say one thing. Alcohol is addictive to humans. Period. It's an addictive substance, right? So wondering, geez, why did I get addicted to this addictive substance? I mean, the, the answer to that question is that the substance is addicted. Now, the reason that this is confusing is that it seems like some people get addicted and some people don't. So a whole bunch to talk about on this, and I'm going to go kind of quick to, to get through it. So first of all, um, you know, the um, DSM used to define, you know, alcoholism, this idea of like, you're either an alcoholic or a normal person, they've done away with that and they now see uh, a spectrum of what they call alcohol use disorder. And when viewed on the spectrum, we can see that it's not just the people who are maybe getting multiple DUIs or the people who have had serious conversations with their spouses about this um, that are on the spectrum. 
people, a, a much wider range of drinkers are sort of on this, this AUD spectrum. And so that ends up meaning um, that the defini by definition, things are starting to change for them. Um, and that they're at more and more risk of going down the road of using alcohol as a way to meet their needs. Um, so some of the things that precipitate us developing a uh, dependence on alcohol, first of all, stress, right? Like what, if you start drinking for stress, if you start drinking to feel better, your brain is gonna learn this. So the brain is gonna say stress, alcohol, better, right? And so you start to develop this belief that man, when I'm stressed, the only thing that helps me is alcohol. Right, and then every time you're stressed, guess what you wanna do? You wanna reach for a drink. Um, so that happens, but then maybe that happens around stress, but then maybe it also happens around loneliness. Like I know for me personally, loneliness was a huge thing for me. After I graduated college, I moved to New York City. I lived in a basement apartment in Queens. I didn't know anybody. Uh, alcohol made me feel less lonely. Alcohol dumb or numbed down those feelings of loneliness. And I can point back to that time and I can say this is this is one of those times when drinking for me went from an occasional thing into something that was a little bit more addictive, right? Because every time I felt lonely, I wanted to drink. Um, so there's those behavioral issues where we start drinking for emotional reasons instead of working on the underlying reasons. Um, everyone can fall into this. And you've probably heard people talk about this before, like, oh, what a long day. I, I really need a drink, right? Statements like that sound very uh, innocent. But the fact of the matter is that that is the beginnings of, of putting this together, of putting together this dependency of stress means I have to drink, right? There's a lot of other factors too, right? Like how old you were when you started drinking, what was going on in your life when you started drinking, what you were around growing up, right? This was one for me. I remember I moved to New York and after, after a while my girlfriend moved in with me and I used to come home from work every day and do the same thing. I'd come home from work, take off my shoes, hang up my bag, go into the kitchen and pour a scotch. Um, that was just what I did. That was literally just what I did. And I remember one day she said to me, she's like, Scott, why do you do that? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, why do you pour a drink every single day as soon as you come home? She's like, you don't do anything else. You come home, you pour a drink. And it was such a strange question to me. It was like asking me why I walk on the floor instead of the ceiling, right? I was just like, that's what you do. Like, how is this? It didn't even compute, right? Um, and so this is what happens is that, you know, I was raised around this. Like, this is just always what I saw. At the end of the day, everyone had a drink. Um, and so it just became my process as well. Um, that's a small version of it, but a lot of people grew up around, you know, some pretty serious alcohol abuse and some pretty serious, you know, use of alcohol to deal with emotions. Um, and so these environmental triggers are things that can stick with us and that can make it so that when we run into those same things as an adult, you know, we end up turning toward alcohol. And the thing that's really interesting to me about that question that my girlfriend asked that day is like, I had never thought of it. I'd never thought of it. I'd never once thought, maybe, is this weird? Is this weird that I do this every day? It just literally was what you do. Um, and so those sort of beliefs, those sort of behaviors are deeply ingrained. Um, and so as we get older, we just continue doing them. We don't necessarily question them. And then all of a sudden that's like, wait, what's happening? So I understand that was a really broad ranging answer, but the fact is there isn't a simple answer to this question. Um, so the main thing to understand um, is that, you know, how you got there is not necessarily as important as what you're gonna do now, right? So if you feel that you're stuck, 
engaging with it, doing things like writing in this question are perfect um, because that means that you're thinking through it and that means that you're understanding it. At the end of the day, it's gonna be very difficult to pinpoint, you know, I'll, I'll ask people in our programs to do this regularly. I'll say, think back over your drinking career and tell me the one drink where you went from a quote unquote normal drinker to a quote unquote alcoholic. Very few people can do that. Um, and the fact is, is because it's a, it's a whole bunch of factors that come in into play um, and it's, it's just a, it's a complicated process. So unfortunately, I don't have a very straightforward answer for you. I will tell you that the best way to not become, uh, you know, not get onto the alcohol use disorder spectrum is just to not drink alcohol. Um, it's that simple. Um, so I hope that answers your question. I know it kind of does. I was kind of went all, all over the place, but I hope that helps. Okay, last question uh, goes like this. I just hit 52 days alcohol-free. I never thought this would happen. I'm gonna pause the question right there and say, yes, that's awesome. Congratulations. Um, I'm starting to use what I learned, uh, what I learned to quit drinking to focus on other things. Is that possible? How does it work? Uh, fantastic question. Actually, something that I'm really passionate about. And in our uh, in our new program, the Path, I actually started a group where we're doing just this. Um, so let me zoom out for a second and talk about what the This Naked Mind process is. Um, and I think from that you're going to see. Oh, wait a minute! I can use this on other things. Um, so the This Naked Mind process, you know, it starts with awareness. Man, I, I have to make this change, right? I need to make this change, and I don't know how. Um, the next thing we do is we work on your thinking. Right? So instead of uh, going straight from awareness into changing that behavior, we say, wait a minute, right? We put a, what we call a pause in place and we in evaluate, we investigate the effects of this behavior you want to change on your life, right? We want to understand like, how, is this really something I want to change? We also want to look at your thoughts around that behavior. We want to understand what beliefs or thoughts or emotions you have associated with it. And we have tools like the ACT technique for you to work through those things. Um, after that, after that time, we then move on into changing the behavior, right? So we put a plan together and you change the behavior. Um, and that, you know, has its own ups and downs, right? Any of you have gone through it know, like there's good days and bad days, but the thing that we're doing the entire time is paying attention to our thoughts, paying attention to, is this getting me closer to where I want to go or not? Um, and then that process kind of continues um, and we get better and better and better at it. And then eventually it becomes automatic. Like not drinking for me is automatic. I don't walk into a bar now and say, geez, should I have a beer? No, I never do. I, the, the closest thing I will get to is do they have any NA beer, right? Um, but so that's how that process goes. And you can see, I just explained that entire thing without talking about alcohol, right? That entire thing is possible outside of alcohol. So the main tools that you would want to use this, I'll just give you a really quick rundown. Number one is a journal. Um, I can't overstate how important my journal has been to my journey, um, and that is because uh, you know our thoughts change and shift all the time. Our emotions change and shift all the time. If you don't uh, spend some time realigning those, if you don't spend some time saying, okay, like this, I need to, you know, I need to work on this. I need to shift this. Then you're going to end up in a situation where you're just repeating the same thing because you forgot that you dealt with something a couple of weeks ago. Um, so journaling and writing down those thoughts. Use tools that we provide at This Naked Mind, like the ACT technique, um, ACT 1 and ACT 2. Those will make a huge difference in you changing your thinking. Um, and lastly, you know, when you go into changing that behavior, continue using those tools, right? Continue to look, continue to change those thoughts. Um, the whole driving idea behind this 
um, is that yes, you know, alcohol, we'll use alcohol, is an addictive substance, um, but it's about how we view our journey, how we view ourselves that makes the biggest determining factor. Remember what I said earlier, right? Whether or not we stick to a habit change has so much to do with the amount of positive emotion we attach to it, right? So use these tools to develop that positive emotion. Use these tools to develop that really exciting outlook for what's going to happen and use these tools to get over those hurdles that your thoughts and beliefs might throw up along the way. That's how you use this process for other things. So I would love to hear more about what this is that you're trying to do. You kind of left an open loop there. You didn't tell me uh, what it was you were going to try this on. So if you can write back in and tell me, that would be fantastic. Okay. Thank you all very much for hanging out with me for the last, uh, what is that, 24, 25 minutes. Um, as always, uh, this is a treat. I really love being able to answer these questions. Um, and until next month, I'm Scott, head coach of This Naked Mind. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm so excited, you guys, because we are just about to start another live alcohol experiment. And if you do not know about the alcohol experiment, you need to literally drop everything right now and go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash LAE. That's LAE for live alcohol experiment. And here's the thing. This 30-day challenge is designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with the best version of you. You know it's that version that's living the most joyful life, that version that doesn't need alcohol to relax, or have a good time and that version that's having more fun and is more peaceful than ever. Again, it's a 30-day challenge. It's live. It's starting on the first. So hurry up. Go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash LAB. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.